1: You are now locked in to the Hey, It's Enrico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast, part of the Rotofanatic Podcast Network. Go to rotofanatic.com right now to read The Week That Was by Dave Funnel, and check out our rankings, compare between all of the analysts on rotofanatic.com. It's episode 65, the James Paxton edition. Today marks a historic day in the history of the Palazzo podcast. We have on one of the most elite fantasy players ever to grace the realm of fantasy baseball. He's a multi-time NFBC League winner and a top fours champion. Give it up for Vlad Sedler. Join your host, Michael Govier. as he and Vlad get deep into fantasy baseball action. Vlad will enlighten you on his catching tiers, three's company ADP conundrums, where Vlad picks the best of the three, and of course, Enrico's Inquisition will enlighten you on what Vlad is all about beyond fantasy baseball. This is one of the greats, folks, so soak this episode up as much as you can. Take it away,
3: boy! And welcome to the, hey, it's Enrico Platzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. You are now witnessing, if it's live, in person, me, without my partner Deary tonight. He is unavailable. Tonight is just me, MJ Govier, and my guest tonight, who, you know... He's known. He's a guy who's been around. He's got a lot of experience and knowledge and wisdom. Uh, I really have been looking forward to this episode. I know I say this a lot and people might say, oh, you say this all the time, blah, blah, blah. But the truth is, I really was grateful when he first reached out and he's like, hey, you know, I like what you're doing. Maybe we should do something together. And I said, well, that would be great. I'd love to have you come on the show. So here it is. That moment has now arrived and he is with us. He is a many, 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 many time... Winner of NFBC leagues, big money leagues. Uh, He's also won Tout Wars. He's got a ton of experience, and there's no doubt about it that when it comes to fantasy knowledge, this is probably one of the main guys you'd like to ask about and be like, hey, I got to get this guy's opinion because he knows what he's talking about. Ladies and gentlemen, and everyone in between, it is my distinct pleasure to bring you in one of the most drawn out and way too long intros in recent history, Vlad Settler. Welcome to the show, Vlad. How you doing? Hey,
4: thank you so much, Michael. Uh, it's great to be on here on a Friday night. Uh, honestly, I, I, I really couldn't think of a better way to spend it than uh, to, to spend it with you, meeting you here for the first time.
3: So sweet. What a sweet man you are, Vlad. Yeah, I am thrilled that you're here. We're going to talk about fantasy baseball, of course. This is not a fantasy football show. Um, it's not a fantasy basketball show. We're going to talk turkey between the diamond, the nine players that matter most to you on your squad. We're going to break down some catching tiers, a little bit of ADP talk. Vlad's going to take us through some things he's been working on, and we'll have some fun with Enrico's Inquisition, and we're going to do a couple segments <laughs> In honor of Vlad, I uh, put together something dumb for later in the show, so I hope that you enjoy it, Vlad. It's I, really I stupid.
4: like I like dumb uh, on, on occasion, especially on on the on the weekends, so let's do
3: it. Perfect. Well, you're on the right show for that, Vlad. That is no doubt about it. Don't forget, Podcasts at ProtonMail.com is where you can send emails. If you hear anything today and you want to ask a question about it, For me or Vlad, I'll I'll refer it to him. I'll forward it ahead to him if it doesn't get mentioned today. For those of you that are live, you can ask us a question in the comment section and we'll try to address them within reason, of course. And on Twitter, you can follow the show, Palazzo Podcast. Two L's, two Z's. Utah, give me two. Don't forget it. And that's it. So, Vlad, before we get rolling here, I want to ask you one thing what is one thing that I or the audience or the community here should know about you that has nothing to do with baseball whatsoever?
4: Man. I mean, I've, uh, you know, I've, I've been around the industry for, uh, for, I don't know, probably a decade or so. And uh, I'm pretty open about everything. So I think a lot of people know, uh, me, uh, as far as my, my strategy and everything fantasy baseball related and even my life, I'm, you know, pretty open book, but, uh, um, you know, everybody knows that I'm Russian, uh of Russian descent. I yeah. came over here when I was two months old, but one thing that people may not know is that I was born in uh in Rome, uh Italy, on the way. So my mom was uh, you know, 20 years old, my dad was 23 recently uh basically leaving uh, you know, communism, leaving the Soviet Union. Uh we already had some grandparents out here uh and some family members in Los Angeles. And yeah, they just got on a plane, left their lives there, and uh, and came to America with uh, me, the bambino, on the way. And so, uh, yeah, from Italy to LA, we made Russia. a
3: change in your honor, by the way, to the show. Usually, we play the uh, kill bill siren whenever somebody mentions a short sample size, uh, in the 2020 season because it was short. <laughs> I don't know if you heard, and you know, we've got sick of it, it's become a cliche, but in honor of you, I've renamed it and changed it. And here is the new. Short sample size sounder. There you go. Works for me. That is from that's from NHL '94. That is the exact siren from NHL '94. For those of you that don't know, so I listened to your pod with Rob DiPietro on the Pole Hitter Pod, and I really enjoyed it. And I got so excited because I love '90s hockey. Man, it really takes me back. It was the biggest. Biggest time in my life to be a hockey fan, especially since the Red Wings were on the brink and they finally won in 97. And I grew up and am a Detroiter. So, man, those are great memories. Uh,
4: yeah, it, it, it was a good time. Um, I remember it was, you know, I, I, obviously on Rob's pod, I talked about the, uh, you know, the Burry stories and, and some of his uh, issues with uh, with his arch rival, uh, Sergei Fedorov. And yeah. I think, they you know, they both dated uh, for extend, long periods of time uh, tennis star Anna Kornikova at the time. Um uh, but uh one of our um w- I, I just remember there was this one story where um you know fedorov like basically hopefully he's not listening to the show but like you know just worry <laughs> talking about what a what a dick he was that basically they were at some Russian restaurant with his parents like he needed to go but his parents were like still in the middle of eating and he basically like made them get up and be like you know let's go it's you know it's it's time to go like I'm done so you're done. So that was pretty dick. So after that I was like anti Fedorov for a while.
3: Damn. You know, I had a jersey. The only jersey I had growing up, it was a Fedorov jersey. And Burn everybody, up. everybody wanted Stevie Y. That was, I mean, he's, I love Stevie Y. He's the king. Um, mm-hmm. But I had a Fedorov jersey. That was kind of a, a rebellious move at the time. Controversial, that mm-hmm. it was. So. <laughs> but I survived. Anyways, yeah. uh, Rob's here, by the way. Rob's saying hello. Hey, Rob, good to see you, bud. Thanks for joining in on the live stream. Those Thanks of you listening. Yeah, Rob, hey. Rob is great. Rob's a big up and comer. You had a very, 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 very nice compliment for him when you joined his show. And I got to say, man, that's, that was really cool of you. And Rob deserves all the credit he's getting right now.
4: That was a really fun show. Like, you know, a a, a good podcast, a good live stream. I like, first of all, the, uh, you know, the, the, the looking at the person, you know, the, the sort of the physical interaction, not too physical, of course. And we are separated by, you know, the ether, Uh, but (laughs) You know, just you just kind of vibe. And, and when you get lost in a discussion or, you know, things just kind of flow freely, it just makes it a lot better. And so that whatever hour 15 or whatever we had just just flew by and had a good time. And uh, and yes, I uh, I liked Rob before, but now I like him even more.
3: Big fan. We love you, Rob. Uh, Nate Markham says, as a blues fan, I hate Stevie. Y. Yeah, well. It's understandable, Nate. Sorry about that. That was Double overtime slapper, 1-0 shutout, Game 7 victory in 1996 playoffs. Very cool. I -hmm. loved it. Not so good for Nate. Anyway, this is not a hockey podcast, believe it or not. I want to say thank you to everybody who's been participating with the show. Uh, Vlad, is there anything you want to mention off the top about your coming articles or things to look for on other appearances that people should know about? You deserve to be pumped up. I mean, no, I mean, I just
4: I just uh you know obviously I'm partial because it's uh it, it's my work, but I really think people should uh, uh fork over 39 99 for the season for fantasyguru.com just because uh, you know, I help people win at, at, at fantasy uh baseball. And uh Ray Flowers is uh also in the mix. Uh, not only in the mix, he's uh, pretty much the the lead dog of our show, and he's been doing it for you know 15 years plus and I mean, the, uh, him and I are are different in terms of our uh, approach, and you know, he's been doing it a lot longer than me. But the, the difference—he pumps up art, pumps out articles like a machine, just like a straight up content machine and quality stuff. Meanwhile, I'm sitting here like typing with two fingers almost. I'm changing sentences <laughs> around. Like it takes me a couple of days to write something. But you know, d- different approaches, different types of feels. A lot of the stuff I put out there is very NFBC centric, uh, but not also just like you know rankings and tier lists. But uh, uh you know draft strategy game theory things to help you uh help you win, and then in season the uh the the fab uh fab help for Asian bidding,
3: yeah, I think that's pretty valuable thirty nine ninety nine not a bad deal, and vlad does know his stuff. the proofs in the pudding if you don't know about vlad and his research and his efforts and his victories many 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 time champion of big times leagues, and what is the biggest win of your career? I actually don't know that
4: uh what is the what is the biggest win? I mean, I've won the main event, uh, you know, my leagues a few times. Um, you know, again, that's you know, the big bigger wins have come from DFS, uh, just because you know, oh. in, in one day, just everything hits and you get lucky. Uh, I'm and then uh, with with Rob Silver and I, uh, Rob Silver and I came in second in the Platinum uh, NFBC. It's a, a standalone fifteen teamer. Um, it's a $15,000 entry. So I kind of worked my way up to, uh, <laughs> to get into that thing and, and sitting around that table with like the best of the best. Like we were, uh, we were, we selected uh, pick 14 and the way it works with that, uh, bid is you basically, you're, you're, you're spending fab dollars to get your KDS draft slot. So if you really want one, it will cost you like a chunk of uh, your fab bid. So I think your
3: budget. You know, yeah.
4: Wow. yeah. So like the one went for like, you know, two fifty or something like that. Good, good thing for Rob and I at the time, we didn't want the one pick. We liked the 14. There was like at the times like Chris Bryant and uh, you know, uh, Freeman and some other guys that we Chris liked. like. It must've been a
3: long time ago. It was ages
4: <laughs> ago. Uh, yeah. And, and Casey Chaw was sitting there to the right of us at 15. We didn't want to spend a penny on fab either. And he was 15 and we were just sniping each other just like you know back and forth and we did it two years in a row the following year i think we were 15 and he was 14 and the sniping was uh you know was going back and forth as well
3: wow that's cool man that sounds like a lot of fun i wonder how you would set the market on that without when the first one of those leagues went off what was the market wouldn't be clear on what you would pay from your fob budget to get that top pick you know that's strange
4: yeah and whenever you know both years uh that that we did it and, and there was no platinum in 2020 with the uh Short in season and sample size. Uh, oh, yeah,
3: that's right. heard about that. Oh, oh look at me P- for producing. There we go. Thank you. Thank you.
4: Uh, the. Tw- uh, and So, yeah, I mean, it was basically the same amounts were, were being spent, like almost in the same range. It's like 250 to 300 for the number one pick and kind of all the way down the line. And I think, you know, spent almost nothing for the 14.
3: Weird. Man. That's cool. I can't wait to be involved in the super big money league. Just as soon as I win some big, big ones and build up that bankroll. I got a lot of experience, just a lot of experience in like thousand dollar entries, you know, four or five figure crazy things like that. So I will get there, though. I will get there. Oh, yes. Like Wayne's world. It will be mine.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I was having a conversation with uh, with some friends earlier about just the difference in. The, uh, the ADP between the, you know, the NFBC draft champions, the 150 and the 400. So both the 150 entry and the 400 entry, uh, those leagues, they still go towards the, the overall prize. They all go in the same pool, but the players or how people are drafting in the 400 is almost, you know, like a different animal, you know? So uh, uh, there's a noticeable stay. difference
3: on player ADPs.
4: Yeah. And I haven't done any 400s uh, yet. I don't think I'm going to, I'm just kind of sticking in the, w- with a few of the 150s, but uh I mean, it, it, it's pretty crazy. I would love to see the difference between what those picks are or maybe you know, be a fly on the wall in one of those 400 and see what they're doing over there.
3: I've always wanted to be a fly on the wall. I've never had that experience, and I'm afraid I never will. One time, though, this is the closest I ever got. I was downstairs talking to some friends, and it was reverse fly on the wall. A girl who I was talking about and defending to the people was the fly on the wall in the stairwell around the corner, and she heard everything I said about her. She loved it so much that she totally made out with me later. It was awesome. <laughs>
2: It's awesome
3: it was a great night and i felt good because i was defending someone genuinely yeah. and that's yeah. character guys yeah. that's what true character is when people yeah. aren't listening what are you really saying you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. anywho christ wow the time's flying by already we gotta get this ball moved i want to give a shout out to our uh, crew who's been doing a great job this we cue the belvedere music do a little housekeeping oh, by the way vlad is mr belvedere a housekeeper or a butler
4: It's kind of a mix.
3: It's it's both,
4: right? Because he does take care of the house, he does everything, but uh, he also answers the door and does whatever butlery things butlers do.
3: (laughs) That's how I see it. I see him as a housekeeper, and there's no reason a housekeeper has to be a woman, and I feel like there's a lot of people stereotyping with that. A housekeeper is someone who cleans your house and takes care of the business, okay? So butlers are for rich people, and the people on the... God, I can't remember the family name of the Mr. Belvedere crew, but they weren't rich. They were like a middle-class family.
4: Yes, and uh, Bob Eucher, obviously, you know, that actually knew him from Mr. Belvedere before I knew that he was uh, the, bre- the Brewer's announcer.
3: Right. Oh, me too. I didn't know that either. And uh, Mike Curlin's having a laugh watching you try to answer that question. So.
4: <laughs> you know You know what else is, I actually have a, a small Mr. Belvedere story. It was the first, I think, and only live studio uh, appearance that I was in. Uh, I mean, not me, in the show but um you're in the island of the family yes i was in the studio audience for an episode uh like friends of the wesley the youngest brother bryce beckham so you know i got you know you know we're like the same age but i still got like an autographed copy of him i was a kid actor also at the time and uh yeah went to that taping of the episode and got to see mr belvedere up close
3: dude this is the best story we've had around the housekeeping so far wow that's amazing man i've always wondered who's in those studio audiences this show taped before live studio audience you know yeah
4: i mean you know that's your 90s basically like you know people would go to tapings of friends and everything or you know line up around the corner of the cbs or fox studios go in and watch those shows Uh, i don't know how easy that is these days with COVID, but (laughs) different world
3: it's so it's usually like tourist people coming into town and kind of passing through Mm -hmm. okay Wow. Anywho, uh, shout out to some of the people that I've gotten to know recently through the show. Uh, shrimp boat captain. He's part of the listener league for Draft Champions podcast, run by Zach Waxman. Got to know him a bit. He really is a shrimp boat captain. Shout out to you, sir. I love those jerk chicken recipes. Shout out to Joey Ricotta. I'm going to be on his show soon. I appreciate it. Shout out to Sam. Sam on Twitter. Sam FBB. He is a great dude, and we've been dalliancing for a while. Haven't quite had the chance to connect and talk. We're finally going to do it this weekend. I'm really looking forward to it. He's a really honest person. And to Roto Tricks. Roto Tricks is a podcast. They reached out and they wanted to have me on the show. So I said, yeah, let's do it. So I'm going to be on Roto Tricks, which is a fantasy baseball pod that is in, it's a British fantasy baseball pod. So Ooh. I'm really excited for that. That's going to be exciting. Yeah.
4: I'm assuming you won't uh, throw on an accent of any sort, right? Because uh, you know, that might be offensive.
3: I think it's a dick move. Yeah, I mean, yeah. people think you can just do that freely with the British, but it's kind of if they were right in front of me, I'd be like, oh, "This," unless I could really do a really great mm-hmm. one. And I was in a play when I was younger in high school. It was Sherlock Holmes, and I was a paper boy, one of those like mm-hmm. paper boys on the corner, and I had to yeah, I had to announce things in a British accent. It was not, it was not very good, although I did say Thames, T H A M E S, not to be confused with Marcus Thames or no. Eric Thames. So Eric Thames, is it Eric Thames
4: or Eric Thames? He's Thames, Thames. he's Thames. He's not like the river.
3: Yeah. Marcus Thames, Eric Thames. Okay, good to know. All right, there we go. Thank you, everybody. Really love connecting with all the great people that have been kind to me. Uh, Shout out also Keith Farnsworth. That was really cool of him to take a moment Mm -hmm. to say hello. And uh, it's really cool. I can't wait to get into more fantasy baseball questions and answering and people have already been hitting me up. I had a question about, would you rather have Wander Franco or Jeter Downs in 2021? I'm like, oh, that's a great question. Because I think that's not a, I think it's a reasonable cop. What do you think of that? Um, for 2021, you know, that's a, that's, I mean, they're both long yeah. shots, right? Uh,
4: for the most part, I mean, I'm drafting a little bit of water Franco just in case, just because, you, you know, you never know. Um, he's still so young. He hasn't really even hit above a ball. And even though he could be ready, it might be unwise of them to to, to bring him up right away, even if he is. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, worth the stab he's, he's going around 250, 300 ADP. And if there are any good rumors or anything, uh, whatsoever that people can grasp on in, uh, in the press, he's gonna, he's gonna go up every, even further.
3: All right. But Jeter Downs, I feel like they're kind of on the similar path here. Like they're not that far away. So maybe it's, maybe it's more of a stretch than I think it was. I thought it was a good question because Jeter Downs is on a team where they're not winning anything necessarily right now either. And he could make an impact if he's given the opportunity.
4: He's more likely, I think, to actually come up and, and make an impact. But I think over the course of you know their careers, it's good. Uh, Franco is going to be an all-star. Maybe it's oh, Franco. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't
3: Letter-wise, know. Career-wise? Oh, Franco. Franco? Maybe. Franco?
4: Maybe. I don't know. It was Julio Franco.
3: We should have it. Well, I loved Julio. Yeah. You believe that. I remember he hit 341 in 1991. That was awesome. I used to play sports talk baseball, and I loved mm-hmm. playing with him. And they had his real batting stats in that game. Oh, yeah. That was, yeah. Yeah. Jo- that was one of the first games ever with uh, broadcasting. It was uh, mm-hmm. Jack Buck. Good old Jack Buck. Cool. Yeah, isn't this fun? Have we talked about anything relevant yet? No. How about we nope. do that? <laughs> Let's get the ball rolling and move into a segment that we usually call Leading Off so i leading off today we're going to take a look at some things that Vlad's been working on and I'm really excited about it because I got a little bit of the inside access to learn from him and see how his mind works not completely but just a little bit so you're working on something about catcher tears right so why don't you open the dialogue on this and explain where we'll go with this segment?
4: So it's uh, it, it's a series, uh, actually, uh, uh, very untraditionally. I did not start with catchers. I started with uh, corner infielders. So that article came out last week, um, and with DHs and middle infielders. After that, and then catchers just kind of inserted them in the middle there, just to kind of you know throw things off. But uh, and
3: this is included with the sub thirty nine ninety nine, right? That's
4: right. Uh, and, and there, it's a, basically it's, it's a series on, on, on tiers. And, you know, obviously most people n- understand and know those have been playing fantasy baseball for a while that, you don't just draft straight off of the rankings list, that understanding, um, be basically grouping players together based on their, you know, either projections that you use for their projections you create, or just having some, um, you know, where their fantasy value comes out. Similarly, you want to kind of group these guys together. And then as you're drafting, you're doing these draft champions or mocks or whatever you do, you have an idea where these players are falling so that you're not you know, overpaying for players and that you are be able, able to grab the deals that you can. And so, you know, basically have a little tiering system with each, each position. Um, and with the catchers, what I did was I listed their ADP over the last couple of weeks and then my VDP, uh, Vlad's draft position, Vlad's oh. draft predictions, whatever you want to call it. And really to see what the Delta is, see where, um, you know, where the big, differences are. And obviously the guys that are way lower on the VDP are guys that I'm not necessarily going to end up with on a lot of my teams. A lot can change between now and uh, in March when, you know, theoretically I would be going to Vegas. I don't know if I'm going this year, but when we would go to Vegas, we would draft our live events, you know, hundreds of us friends getting together and drafting out there. A bunch of people do the same thing in New York um, the week before. Um, But like, for example, you know, Salvador Perez is to me, um, he's been a solid producer um when he's healthy. Uh last year in that short sample uh in <laughs> 2020, he, he raked and uh you know, hit a bunch of homers. He was uh, you know, they're their, their big power guy. And for whatever reason, he's popping in around 80, 85 on NFBC's ADP. And for me, just when I'm breaking down all the positions and um and, and you know, tiering players, like. That's just not a spot that I'm uh, particularly interested in because, to me, the 2020 is overvaluing his his tag, his price tag. And for me, he's more like a guy in the 120, 130 range. And even then, I don't know if I would take, uh, you know, a a Salvador Perez there. But then you sort of get more, um, you know, uh, cast the wider net and you look at the position as a whole. And when you break it down through, you know, eight or nine tiers and seeing where guys fall. You know, you may end up noticing that there are guys that you, you know, really like later on. Where you know, you don't want to give up that that draft capital of a, of, of an eighty five or a one hundred ADP for a catcher. You may want to take it someone else. Everyone else has, you know, everyone's got their different theories and, and their ideas about it. But for me, it's just something that has worked over the years um, that I've been successful at um, is really not spending up for for catcher uh, early. There, of course, are exceptions. Sometimes, you know, value falls and you just got to kind of jump on it. Um, I had a real Muto share last year. I'm not a big, you know, real Muto guy, uh, particularly. He's a a great player. Um, actually, it's really funny. Anytime I say something about catchers or, you know, whatever, like, you know, people are like, oh, yeah, you're starting a war with uh, with Toby with definitely crazy. I'm like, no, you don't understand. I have the utmost respect. Uh, not only do I have the utmost respect for Toby, uh, I, I, I was like one of his first You know what I mean? Like I recognize we played in a main event league together. He won that league in his first year playing. I'm like this guy, you know, you watch his draft. You're like, this guy is really good. He really knows what he's doing. And that's really the beauty of fantasy baseball is there's so many different paths and ways to go. Just because I like catchers late, he likes early. doesn't mean we can't both meet and end up first and second place in the league, which is exactly what happened in the two main events we were in together. I was first in one. He was second in the other. I was first you know, and then vice versa. So we met at the top of the standings
3: with different pathways. Man, that is fascinating. I got to tell you, it gets complicated, Vlad. There are so many ways to win, like you said, that as a listener or somebody who's trying to get more involved or take a piece of advice from someone like yourself or Toby, two very smart people, no doubt about it. You guys are both in the know. In fact, you know, that's worth a Utah, give me two. Yeah, you guys are both excellent. I understand there are many ways to win, but how are we supposed to know what's right? Is it just what works for us? Or do you do you ever veer from your own strategy and say, you know, I'm gonna try this this year and it worked and then you stuck with it?
4: it um, it's not like I try, I'll try this this year. It's by the time the end of March comes around and my most important drafts are happening, I already am really confident in what I'm going to be doing. Like I know when I'm walking into that room in Vegas, like what my KDS, um, what my draft spot is, and what my plan of attack is like pretty much who I'm going to get. And if I don't get those guys, these are my backup plans. And, you know, even if it doesn't work out, even my first or second or third choices, aren't there, I'm kind of ready for all, uh, you know, different pathways. Um, what I do up until then, why I start drafting in January is I'm I'm figuring out what's most comfortable for me in those March drafts. I'm doing, you know, draft champions leagues, from the middle of seven or eight pick I'm doing from the one from the 15 getting an idea for what I feel comfortable with and and where I want to draft that like are there you know certain players I want to make sure that I have on my team later on like after 150 ADP it's it's more of the wild west right like you know players are jumping ADP very heavily you can pretty you you don't want to base your draft on who you're going to get later because there are a lot of those guys and that'll work out but you have to almost set your draft spot and figure out where you want to draft from if you want to get certain guys. Like, if you really want the you know the 15 pick or the one pick, you know you're not going to have you're not starting a draft with Trey Turner or Shane Bieber most likely because those guys are going in the middle of the draft. And so right. you want to figure out not just like who your favorite first and second round pick, but what your favorite set of you know four or five guys, uh, your base on your team. What is ideal for you? in order to um, kind of, you know, take it from there, basically.
3: Huh. So what do a guy like Dalton Varsho? people reach for him, or do you think he's properly valued?
4: Uh, Dalton Varsho is a little overvalued to me because um, what I'm reading is that he may not even start with the team uh, on, on opening day. Yeah. So um, he's not going to catch either, which is, which is great. I mean, you have an outfielder, uh, who is, you know, basically catcher eligible and among catchers, he's probably going to lead the position even in 120 games. will probably lead the position in, in stolen bases. So
3: yeah. there's some value. Like a, uh, uh, Kiner Khalifa was when he had the catcher eligibility.
4: Yeah, that was, yeah, that was great. Um, you know, almost like he, he's, you know, Kiner Khalifa is like just a guy, uh, but, but Varsho could be a stud, you know, I mean, he, he could be pretty solid. So, um, I don't really have many shares right now. One hundred and fifty-ish ADP is oh, okay. It's 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 okay. It just is not really for me.
3: Okay. Oh boy, Gary Sanchez. I got to ask you about him real quick since we're talking catcher tears. You have no interest then, or would that be a guy that you would snag? Maybe if he kept falling to you post two hundred. So if you
4: really, really like to destroy your batting average and do damage to it irreparably. Whatever that word is. Sorry, it's like my first beer in a month. By the way, um, <laughs> hey, for the show, yeah, I, I'm having a you know uh, for the show tonight. I, I honestly, I, I don't drink much.
3: Hey, I don't drink either. I don't. Even, I never drink. So, but kudos to you. You deserve it, man. You're working your ass off. And
4: that's the irony of it. I thought about it right before I start. I'm like, damn, I cracked the beer open on the show, and you know, sorry. Uh, but, <laughs>
3: no, 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 no. I mean, I do technically drink. I just don't drink. That's not an issue for me. Okay, but I do okay. appreciate the consideration. Thank you,
4: um, Gary Sanchez. Yeah, I mean. It, there's already going to be so much risk that we're going to take along the way with our drafts as is that. And then especially later on, like at some point you'd be like, Oh, I really want power. Let me grab Adam Duvall, you know, and his, you know, 230." and there are going to be guys along the way. They're going to continuously drag you down. So the earlier you start that sort of downward spiral, the more trouble you can be in. Like, you know, are you really that, you know, uh, hurting in power at that point that, you know, that you really need to draft a Gary Sanchez because the batting average depression is real. I mean, it could be you know 200, 220, and for the number of plate appearances he's going to have, it could really take a drag. Could he hit 35 homers? Yeah, sure, um, it's possible. But I mean, pitchers don't even like to work with him, right? I mean, they they like Hig- <laughs> Higgy, they like Higgy, Higgy, Higgy show well-
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine. All right. I guess I just got to get. I got to move on, man. I got. I'm living in the past. Gary Sanchez served me so well uh-huh. when he came up, and I got so. I can't believe he hit 278 in a season once, and that wasn't in a a small sample size either. That was like legit.
4: Well, here's the thing. Anything can happen, right? I mean, like, I'm not here to say that it's just a horrible, horrendous pick. Of course, like the way you phrased it was after 280 p Yeah, absolutely. There's a possibility that he might end up being the guy on my team. But if I already have, say, you know, a Mondesi or Kyle Tucker, I have this start that's already with a bunch of 270 you know, uh, guys that are for sure going to hit under 270, or at least I'm pretty sure. And then you add a 220 guy on top, it, it, it is really a tough pull to swallow. All
3: right. Uh, real quick, your bottom tier, you think there's a lot of value in your tier? The last one, this is be tier eight.
4: Yeah. So I broke it down. Um, yeah. Tier eight, there could be guys that can pop off, but it's really difficult to kind of siphon between those guys um, usually at this point, And these are guys that are going like after 350 overall average draft position. And the issue with the, uh, with the position in general this year, there's going to be even more platoons than, than ever. I mean, like, I mean, you start even at the top, like, you know, we're talking about like a guy like Will Smith, who, if he was the first baseman on the team and got 550 plate appearances, you probably get 28 and hundred from the guy with, you know, 280 average, which is, fantastic phenomenal volume um mm-hmm. catcher he they're going to mix Austin Barnes in there because uh you know believe it or not Austin Barnes can hit a little bit he's solid defensively and they want to give Will Smith a rest and unfortunately there's no dh there and that's kind of throwing the whole position off unfortunately so all these guys like you know Buster Posey who now is going to have to play some first base you know especially belt is out early um, you know, he's going to have to get behind the plate. Like these guys aren't the nationally catchers are now losing a lot of those, um, you know, DH appearances. Travis yeah. Darno was a perfect example of that. He got to, you know, hit cleanup in the lineup and DH a bunch. And if there is going to be a DH that, that really hurts a lot of their value. Um, but to your question, I mean, yeah, I mean, I do think there are some guys like, you know, for example um, somebody that seems to be really popular, Tyler Stevenson is, you know, he could potentially steal that job. I mean, anything is possible there. Tucker Barnhart's solid. They have a nice platoon, you know, thing going on there lefty hitter, righty hitter. Uh, Barnhart's decent defensively, but, you know, Stevenson can pop off. Um, Elias Diaz uh, for Colorado. I mean, just the course factor alo- alone, I think, is worth something there. Yes. Um, Max Stasi showed a little something. Uh, oh, bye
3: bye. Mendy was- would love to hear that, wouldn't you, Mendy? Shout out to Mendy out there. You love your Stasi.
4: I love it. I mean, they signed thirty-seven-year-old Kurt Suzuki, who you know obviously still's got a little bit in the tank. So those two are gonna, um, you know, platoon uh, there. And um, yeah, I mean, there. I think there are some guys there. Obviously, Alejandro Kirk on Toronto is a stud, oh, but like, no. is he even going to start the year? You know, as a catcher, they still have you know Danny Jansen. You know, when is Danny Jansen never going to happen? I don't know. <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah, and Reese McGuire, maybe. It'll, yeah. Well, we. He might end up, uh, uh, I, I didn't have a good joke for him getting caught masturbating in the truck. So, Damn.
4: yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if you want to expose yourself at 480p for his services, yeah. but
3: <laughs> yeah, I thought he might end up, he might have to beat it eventually because there's too many good players like Jansen and Kirk in his way. But, anyways, I love Stevenson, but I haven't had the stones to draft him yet. And I feel like a loser now because I, you're saying it and you're putting yourself on the line. I got to start trusting what I'm seeing even if that's a deep reach. And it's not a big price to pay on Stevenson anyways. You know, I'm talking draft champions and mostly drafting holds what I've done so far. But But here's the thing with,
4: well, here's the other problem. So in a draft champions, he's not as strong of a pick because we don't know, I mean, like if that's going to happen. And if you're drafting him as a second catcher, you almost have to grab your third one shortly thereafter because you don't want to take, you know, an absolute zero there. Um, so that that that's the problem with a guy like Stevens.
3: You're gonna hate what I did in a, a NFBC 50. I did a, about 10 days ago. I drafted Sanchez and Rushman as my top two catchers.
4: Oh, nice.
3: <laughs> and I only have two more on the roster. Uh, I think I screwed up. How many uh, is it, edges and uh-huh. Chance Cisco? The other two.
4: Ooh, oh man, I, I got it. I got a thing for 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 Cisco, man. I don't I, I don't know what it is, um, but yes, just. Just one day, I just I just feel like he's just gonna have this like this, this month from
3: from such the head. a great name, such a great baseball name, and he's talented. He just the defensive, massive defensive problems. But anyways, yeah. it's good to know. It's good to know. So check out that article. When uh when's that coming out, Vlad? The catcher tears. Uh, it is uh, out. I so it came out oh. today actually. Oh, it did come out today? Look mm-hmm. at me, what a terrible researcher I am check it out if you don't have a sub then get a sub you can read vlad stuff for the next year it's a it's a whole year subscription that's a good thing that's a positive mm-hmm. thing All right, let's talk about some adp stuff real quick now you have an article that's out about adp I like Ryan Presley. Do You like Ryan Presley?
4: I do like Ryan Presley, but man, is he getting expensive? Oh. He's getting like eighty-ish ADP. Like you got to, you got to, you got to get down there. They got to when the pinatas hit. Like you literally got to like <laughs> you know punch and push people out of your way to get your share of Ryan Presley. It's getting it's getting nasty down there.
3: Yeah, uh, I got him way back in the middle of January at a solid price. I can live with that now. But you're right. And I want to talk about the market inefficiencies. I think this is so fascinating because this is where ADP becomes a real mind bender for a lot of people. And you get you get caught up in that number and you see it. Even if you're trying to avoid it, it's like in the draft chart, it's in the draft board that you're on, whether you're on NFPC or wherever you are, it's there. You can't really hide from it. So how can you point out market inefficiencies in ADP and take advantage of it?
4: Uh man that's a it's, a it's a deep topic it probably deserves its own uh its own full <laughs> podcast it does um yes. but it's it really is the it's just the key to everything in in, in drafts like being able to, to to spot a major market inefficiency whether a positive or negative one is basically your path to a, a successful draft and and really getting your your team off to to the right start having an, you know drafts how people spread out what they consider the value of draft first Fab is in lineup changes like pre you know draft versus in season is, is different to everyone some people say 70 30 draft some say 60 40 80 20 but you know the draft is just such an important key component of it and the adp is just it's ingrained in your brain like you know like it's not like we get a chance to do all of our research before people start drafting like people start drafting during the world series like we didn't even get a chance to even relax and you know reset for a second and there's already like new you know data out there for the, for the following season and what happened for this year especially is in that you know um uh brief season or whatever uh because i don't want yeah.
3: sorry you can't it, avoid it just get just say it and keep on just going. yeah i mean it
4: there's just so many guys that are um just to me overvalued and i don't want to just not draft any of them because obviously there are going to be some breakouts there. I don't want to, you know, that they were real breakouts, but I don't, you know, I, I don't want to be too stubborn on, about it, but like, you know, Grisham or Zerania, uh, Max Fried, you know, Tiosker, Oscar, uh, Lamet, Maeda, Galen, like these guys all had these most amazing, you know, short seasons and they're all like top 40, 50, 60 overall picks. And then deciphering between those, like, what's real what's not you know like Dylan Moore is one of the ultimate (laughs) guys like you know I mean of course there's a a group of people that love him, group of people that uh that that won't touch him at his at his price tag um so
3: buzzworthy that guy is the one of the biggest buzziest names in preseason 2021 yeah
4: yeah Um, and and so you know you don't want to avoid all those guys that broke out you know entirely but i'm kind of all over the place what, what i'm saying is is adp is ingrained in our brain and then it's tough for us to really separate and, and and establish for ourselves like what the market price of someone should be so then when we start you know digging in looking at projections um and then seeing like just in projections alone like where something may be off right um you know like somebody like stanton for example now he's going at 140 overall where for many years you know he's a second third fourth round pick now people have had enough they're like this guy just can't stay healthy we're just not going to touch him but then the projection systems have him even for his 120 games or whatever they have him for for like 34 home runs and you know 90 RBIs or whatever um you know so think about it if he actually if there actually is a season where he can stay healthy you're looking at a, a major market inefficiency the downside of course is the risk of of injury and that's already baked in uh to his price tag and then for us we're just basically needing to go through the entire draft through all the positions and and figure out where those guys are. Um, for me, the way I do it is, is by creating my own projections and, and seeing where, you know, like a perfect example would be like 2016. I remember it was Yasmani Grandal's breakout year. Um, and he was going as like 20th catcher around like 300th overall. Yeah. And when I finished my projections, he popped in sixth or seventh. And I'm like, okay, well, there is a market inefficiency, at least for me. I could be right. I could be wrong on it, but I bought in on it but I didn't buy in at that ranked at sixth price. You know what I mean? Like I, I I still maybe picked them up like a round or two ahead of his ADP. And then that's the exercise we have to do for, for all these players, for all these positions, like who are the guys that really, you know, that are overpriced underpriced and how do I build around that?
3: That's right. And that's why you're cool with people getting their guys, right? You say, Hey, ADP is great, but if somebody does something that is bucking the trends of ADP, you're not going to chastise them because Hey, You know, you take a shot and you might not have the opportunity to get that player when they come back around. So sometimes you'll reach or other people will reach in a moment because the way a draft is laid out, they just know where a player will end up Mm -hmm. or where they'll fall or where they'll disappear all of a sudden. Yeah,
4: like, I I mean, when I I see draft boards or whatever, like, you know, I I have my internal feelings like, yeah, you know, yes, I would build like that. No, I wouldn't but I never go so far. I, I really try to check my own biases at the door. I, I can, you know, I never want to say, you know, Oh, that's just a horrible pick, you know, or especially <laughs> not publicly, I, you know, never say that. Cause
3: if anybody you, can say it, it'd be you, Vlad, you could say it,
4: but, 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 you know, also, but, but you just don't know, you, you just, ne- you know, you just never know. We we be wrong all the time about a lot of different things. And so, I mean, yeah, I can have those feelings about it and usually I'll write about it, but I'll never like call someone out on a bad pick on Twitter.
3: Wait, 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 wait. You're willing to admit on the show live that you have been wrong before? Oh, yeah. Okay. There it is, folks. On the probably, record. That's probably tune in, alone. <laughs> Two already? Wow. Yeah, that's that's what they call gotcha. We got you, dude. I just got you. You're so screwed, man. Now your career is probably over. I mean, if you're wrong once in fantasy baseball, you can never come back from it.
4: Well, I mean, I, I'm still trying to live up to the, the, the Christian Yellick call from, from a couple of years ago. go. Um, I'm still waiting for that next Yelich to come in. Every year, I I write an article about who that might be. Uh, You know, a couple years ago, I kind of you know cheated on it. Basically, like I'm not sure exactly who it is, but here are a few candidates who could fall into that um, into that bucket. Um, But but a guy like that doesn't come around um, all the time. You know what I mean? It's really tough to call.
3: Well said, sir. I think ADP messes with people with the guy I've been talking about, the turn into guy. You know, Mm -hmm. there's people always want to draft. Someone like Wander Franco is a good example of that. He's going to turn into a great shortstop. He's going to turn into a trade turner. He's going to turn into so-and-so. And and sometimes you're waiting for someone to turn into somebody. Meanwhile, there's other guys that are doing great in the now and giving you production that could help you win now and not three years from now, especially in redraft leagues. There's no need to be taking unnecessary risks on players that might turn into something there's a big difference between taking a risk later in a draft, like you were saying with Wander Franco at the beginning of the show later, later. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know. I, Randy Rosarini is a guy we'll talk about a little bit later too. You know, he's jumped up the charts. He's very popular now. And I don't know. That's I, I'm a little concerned about it, even though he was an incredible run and he has a great set of skills. I'm still mm-hmm. concerned about that type of risks.
4: Well, a, a lot of that also has to do with what type of uh format you're playing and, and what contests you're in. I think that makes, that makes all the difference really, because if you know, if you're in the NFBC, the online championship that has a six-figure prize on the line, or if you know the main event, also a six-figure prize, there is an overall component where you're trying to beat out a couple thousand teams, and there there is a little bit more risk, a little more upside that you may have to take in, in certain places. In the standalone, in a home league, in a satellite league, you don't necessarily, you know, have you know, have to do that. And, and as I've gotten older and as I think I've been becoming a a better fantasy player, I'm more risk averse. You know what I mean? Like I'm just kind of, even in those contests, you know what I mean? Like there are people that I play against uh, in the NFBC who are some of the best players in the world. And sometimes you will look at their team after they draft, like we all stand around the draft boards in in Vegas and we talk about them. Um, And, and, and you look at their team, it's like, that's boring as hell. Like what, <laughs> you, you, you know what I mean? Like, like my, my, one of my best friends in the industry, my best friend in the industry who, you know, we, we started 20 years ago, we met actually, you know, at each other's weddings and everything. Uh, Scott Jenstad, um, race wrote wire. Uh, I always shit on his team. I'm like, that thing is just so boring and gross yet. Somehow it's always near the top of the standings, you know, um, <laughs> Stephen, you know, Steve Jupinka, who's won, uh, the main event overall, Um, you know, same thing. You look at his teams a lot of time. Dave Potts, probably the most successful fantasy baseball player in in history. He's won a million dollars in DFS twice. And he's an NFBC hall of famer, uh, and won the overall, like same thing. You look at his team, like, you know, like, Hey, why did you like Cole Calhoun there? And this is like four years ago, Calhoun. And you, you know, you, you just never really know. And so the best thing with risk, it's maybe take a little bit less of it early. You don't have, if you really love Mondesi, maybe Build around there with some solid guys that you know that they're, you know, I guess they're um whatever the inter SD, Ariel Cohen's uh his new article came out, is is a little lower than like um, you know, if you got a modesty, grab like a Freeman or an Arenado or you know, guys like mm-hmm. that that kind of build around so that you're not your your team isn't like risky the kind of the whole way through.
3: Yeah, that is great stuff. Thanks, Flan. This is great just, stuff just, we're talking
4: here. I'm just rambling, man. I like seriously, I, I'm not joking. <laughs> I'm the worst, I'm the worst Russian ever. Um, You guys are catching me uh, buzzed. I've literally had half a beer because I haven't drank in a month. And this is why I'm going in like different, you know, directions. But hopefully everyone's following.
3: Believe it or not, Vlad, the show is making sense. So all is well, all is well. They say in Animal House, all is well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, cool. Great. We can close that segment. Move on. I want to say we are part of the Roto Fanatic Podcast Network, by the way. I uh, have a show called the Hey, It's Rico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast, which you are currently listening to in podcast format, or you're watching live right there. Can you see my nose hairs? I don't know if you can. Anyways, we appreciate your support. Don't forget, Turn 2 Podcast is the other part of the Roto Fanatic Podcast Network. Check out rotofanatic.com. we got great rankings. Uh, you know, what do you think about rankings, Vlad? Are you a you a hardcore rankings guy, or do you just do it because it's part of the business, or what?
4: No, I don't even do uh, rankings. I, you know, basically I, I set things up in, in in tiers. Really, that's really the only way to to, to do it. So
3: that's impressive. I'm proud yeah. of you. Well, people love rankings. You can't deny that they're very popular among the masses. So we give mm-hmm. it to you on Rotofanatic.com. We also got a high-low series where we go head-to-head with one of our writers who thinks they're gonna be higher on a guy like Whit Merrifield, which we did, or mm-hmm. Dansby Swanson, or the low guy on those. So check those out. It's good stuff. Uh, my buddy Dave Funnel, who is also part of a shout out to Dave he does great work with the week that was check that article out it gives you all the information you need to know from the previous week plus it gives you useful information it's not just mindless data so please check it out at rotofanatic.com alright it's now time to have some fun I know the show's been very boring so far we apologize for that but now we're going to have a good time with Vlad we're going to step into Enrico's Inquisition are you ready for this segment of the show Vlad Sedler yes Bryce Harper or Lenny Dykstra? Bryce Harper. Oceans or lakes? Which do you prefer? Lakes. Oceans terrify me. Van Halen or Van Hagar? Oh, (laughs) Van Halen. Not a contest. WW84, the movie, or Trevor Bauer? Trevor Bauer has more positive things going for him. He is a good pitcher. (laughs) Oh, Nelly, get ready for some doozies. Because it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show, Enrico's Inquisition. <laughs> That's right, I'm very excited for this segment with Vlad. Vlad has a deep knowledge of a lot of pointless pop culture stuff from years gone by, and I'm hoping we can. You know, pry into his mind and see what he favors based on various topics All right. from the '80s, '90s, and the 2000s. Who's to say it's going to be fun? You ready? Let's do it! Woohoo! All right. First off, uh, Anchorman or Mean Girls?
4: Oh man, um you know, I really like Mean Girls. I like that that kind of genre, those type of movies, and I don't know. Yeah, when I, I at that age, I, I like. I mean, I should. I would actually, probably fantasy baseball community will cancel me for that, but I'm going to be true to myself. I'm going to answer it, and that is my decision. Mean
2: Girls. I am proud hair. of you.
3: I know I know Yancey Eaton would be very, very happy to hear that. So shout out to Yancey, who also wanted me to tell you to say hello or something. I can't remember exactly what it was, but he says, he gives you his best, and he loves Mean Girls. If you don't know what Yancey Eaton is, he uses the gif of Rachel McAdams all the time. How about growing pains or family ties?
4: Uh, growing pains for me. Just, really? Uh, Is that easy? It, yeah, I don't know. There was something a little to me a little depressing about Family Ties. I don't know what <laughs> it, what it was. Like you know, obviously I watched it. I think it was because the the Michael J. Fox character was just was so different. Like I was infatuated with the Back to the Future movies, and then you know he was just like you know super preppy, Alec, you know Alex P. Keaton and. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I dug it. And um, and I think I had a crush on, like, the one of the girls on uh, Growing Pains, like one of uh, Kirk Cameron's girlfriends or something
3: like that. Uh, okay. not, not the middle sister. Not her. No? Oh, man. Tracy oh, Gold. She had, a, she had a tough life. Poor Tracy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of, I don't a lot remember her character's name, though. No. But, you know, Leo DiCaprio made his debut on that show. So that's, that's right.
4: Funny. That's right. I remember Leo.
3: My friend actually has this theory that all current actors that are like the most popular famous actors in Hollywood all started as child actors. Like a Christian Bale, yep. Leo DiCaprio.
4: <laughs> yeah, no, a lot of them did. That's made their appearances early on there in the, in the 80s. Yeah,
3: like more than ever. It's really bizarre. I, the more mm-hmm. I looked into it, the more it started to be like, wow, this is kind of making sense. Mm-hmm. It's a strange world out there. One uh, of my,
4: my like, ex-girlfriend from years ago, she was like randomly best friends with Ricky Schroeder from silver, spoons. Hey, it silver was just spoons so so weird the yeah
3: yeah Who'd you like better would you like silver spoons or fresh prince
4: fresh prince man that was the that was a, a different a different age in my life right i was like a teen you know, more of a teenager during fresh right. prince silver spoons like you know some stuff you you, know, you you saw as a kid um but fresh prince was a more quality product
3: Okay, cool. I love The Fresh Prince. That's a great show. Will Smith hasn't made a good movie in a very long time, but The Fresh Prince yeah. will always be great. That's my yeah. Metallica or Iron Maiden?
4: Uh, Metallica for me, just more familiar with their music, would you know, buy their CDs and, you know, blew the hell out of the Black Album, you know, just like, just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Metallica.
3: Nice call. And the 1988 Dodgers or the 2020 Dodgers?
4: Oh, 1988 by far. It's by different. Far. It's just different when you're a kid. Um, that was the most memorable uh, me- memory of all time for me. The, the 88 World Series. Uh, um, I had just come back from basically my my first ever hockey game. Um, you know, Russians. You know, you're thrown on skates at an early age, but I didn't start till I was you know 10. Uh, playing ice hockey and yeah, i'm not Russian. First... i threw
3: skates on early too by the way nice, nice. Yeah. and you're from well, detroit in... you're yeah from i grew detroit. up in a michigan
4: yeah, yeah, yeah you gotta yeah you gotta play you gotta yeah. skate uh and yeah i mean i just i just remember coming home watching that game and my you know russian grandparents who hardly spoke english um you know when gibson hit that home run i started yelling running around and, like through the remote they thought i just completely lost my shit they just didn't understand what happened it was the happiest moment, like, of my sports life, and you just can't replicate that. You know, there's so much, so much nostalgia with it. Um, you know, that uh, it's just not the same. Here, I'm, I was like sweating my my DFS showdown lineup. You know, during the you know last game of the series. <laughs> All right, we're gonna win this now. Cool. <laughs>
3: Oh, that's funny, man. I got to tell you, that is still one of my favorite memories. And it'll always be special for me because Kirk Gibson was a Tiger. He won a World Series here, and then he went to the Dodgers. That was his first year after leaving Detroit. Mm-hmm. And I remember being a kid just like you, how cool it was. Oh. It was such a unique moment.
4: Well, here's the thing, and you guys are going to call me absolutely crazy. That was my first gut moment. That was my first gut moment. You don't, you don't understand. I can't even put to you what what it meant to me like this is where I kind of felt that it, I don't know I just always the same thing I like I called the Justin Turner's uh, home run uh, in the in the in the Houston when they went to the World Series but I think it was the, the series before that like literally called on on Twitter Turner sending a home run there and he did it that yeah. Gibson home run, everything was setting up for that moment you know like just and I'm sure a lot of people thought the same thing but I was just like in my head as a nine-year-old was, like there's no absolutely no way this guy who shouldn't be up and I was thinking before the game like he needs to come up to bat because he's going to win this game and then when you know when uh, Sorta got him in there, in there, it's like, oh, it's over. We're gonna win this game, and we're gonna <laughs> win the World Series. So that was my first gut moment.
3: Wow, dude, that is breaking news. That is so cool. Yes, Woo-hoo! this is why we <laughs> do the a- show. This is why we do the show, Vlad. These you moments bring, like this.
4: You just pull it out of me, man. I didn't even think. Of, I haven't thought about that in years. But
3: well, you're, like my, here.
4: you're like my you're like my roto therapist.
3: Oh, wow, that's funny. I'm actually. I'm, my master's, I'm working on being a mental health counselor. So maybe that makes sense. Maybe that'll man, be my calling. Man. Maybe I'll be man. counseling people who are struggling with their roto teams, you know? Yes. They've lost every year and they just need yeah. help. They need someone to vent to, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm, that's not a bad idea. I'm gonna write that down. Yeah,
0: yeah.
3: helping each other here. Someone, right now, someone's listening he's like, you are an idiot, Mike. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Uh, Sopranos or Game of Thrones?
4: Ah, oh, don't make me choose these these tough tough decisions. I know,
3: I know. It's not cool.
4: Um probably Game of Thrones. What? Only be only because of again, it's all just like nostalgia. That was a show that my wife and I would, you know, would would pre-plan, we would sit, you know, s- uh, make time for it before our, our son was born and it just it just meant a lot to like, you know, sit down and have that time together and watch. Sopranos I kind of watched sporadically over many seasons with, you know, different people, myself, uh, so to me, I think, um, you know, it, for me, everything comes down to nostalgia, I think, a lot. And so I think uh, for that reason, Game of Thrones.
3: Okay. Wow.
4: Sorry to disappoint you,
3: Michael. Dude, Vlad, Game of Thrones went to hell. I mean, the show just fell apart. It's left a sour yeah. taste in my mouth, you know?
4: Yeah, but you know what? I also like Lost. And I know that show ended poorly. But it was the journey, not the end, you know, not the
3: destination, you know? God, I, I usually kind of follow that ethos. I'm down with what you're saying, but ugh, they just screwed up season eight so bad that it's it's hard to forget. Because season eight was going to be so important because there was a lot to like culminate to. That's why uh-huh. that's why it's so important, and it's more than just the journey. The journey was great, but there were so many things that we wanted to know about and get like the inside details of that we didn't get really necessarily. Well, and it's
4: the, the problem with that show is it was overtaken by HBO bigwigs and their writers because. Homeboy, uh, author Jackson Wright, uh, writer's block, and just you know couldn't finish the book and finish the story. At least from what I know, and so it didn't go to a place where you know the the creator really wanted it to go. So, um, at least that's my opinion. They they kind of screwed it up. HBO
3: screwed it up. So you love movies, of course. Well, i mean like you know Agreed. some people come on the show they're like "Oh, i don't really watch movies you, know, you never know people are weird so
4: well i mean like obviously you know i haven't been to a theater in a while and that whole you <laughs> know, world has, has well, kind of changed but like
0: yeah.
4: i mean yeah i mean i you know i went and saw you know coming to america as a eight-year-old like in the theaters three times i asked my grandparents to take me to to see coming to america more than once in the theaters i've seen everything well, the from fuck
3: the 80s is <laughs> i just happen to have that one in the how'd bank you, so why'd you pull it up so quick it was just in the bank already i love coming to america you don't have twist my you're
0: man. good <laughs> this guy
3: oh great movie great movie and what about the sequel here are you freaking out like it's going to be bad it's pg-13 too i'm kind of bummed it's pg-13 course, of course
4: it's going to be bad uh a movie 30 years later like you just tell from the previews like it's just just not the same like when I was a kid, I remember in summer camp, I started. I, I love the Back to the Future trilogy so much. I started writing the script for Back to the Future Four. I don't think <laughs> I got past the second chapter. But you have to do those things right away. You can't wait. You know, uh, two decades like say by the Bell. I like guess it's just a different audience, different generation. Just you, just you. You know, it, it, it's done. So of course I will watch it. Of course there will
3: be some nostalgia. I was like, oh
4: cool, it's it Ritchie
3: Hall again.
0: Oh, it's <laughs> the
4: guys from the barbershop. But it's just gonna suck. I'm sure.
3: Yeah, and now they're old, so maybe they don't have to put on as much makeup when they're in the barbershop, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's to say? Yeah, that just bums me out. I mean, you remember when the Crystal Skull came out, the Indiana Jones sequel? That was terrible.
4: Uh, Yes, yes, it's just, of course, not the same. And you you watch things at different ages. Yeah,
3: it doesn't translate. But you know what was? Clerks 2. I actually thought Clerks 2 was good, and that was 12 years after the fact
4: there are man. there are of course there, there there are exceptions and that's uh because it's i'm blanket on his name he's just a genius he he did part two as well right the uh, which clerks court? he did clerks too oh, right Kevin smith yeah yeah
3: yeah he yeah, wrote well, yeah, and directed it
4: 94 and he did in 2006 yeah yeah um of course because it's because the same same guy did it kevin smith and he's a genius
3: yeah, but you got the same actor Harrison Ford playing, you know, Dr. Jones, decades later, it just didn't work. And Spielberg came, I don't know, it's, well, sometimes it's just not a good idea. But mm-hmm. anyways, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'm i going to watch Coming to America, just like I watched the sequel The Super Troopers, and it was awful, but I still went to the movie theater and yeah. saw it anyways.
4: Yeah, sometimes we just, you know, do things because it just reminds us of something from our childhood, and it makes us feel good for a little bit, I'm That's and that's guess, okay.
3: <laughs> and the Stuart Smalley I would say good enough you're smart enough gosh mm-hmm. darn it people like you Vlad mm-hmm. thank you you're welcome uh Ric Flair or Hulk Hogan oh man Hulk of course
4: I don't it this, no I
2: don't
4: know about this about like you know here's the thing a lot of you know i'm just going back to that time in that era like, let's
3: keep it in their prime yeah i want to yeah. make this clear we're talking about in their prime when they were who they were of, not of necessarily course. the things they've done outside since then
4: so. yes because sure I when it. i grew up it was you know it was the wwf and that was more prominent than the nwa and uh yeah. right and is that what it was called nwa
3: yeah
4: yeah and yep. At that time, it, Ric Flair dominated there, and Hogan was there. And this is, you know, I kind of stopped following wrestling before things kind of changed. And and it was it was Hulk, it was Macho Man, and Ultimate Warrior. This is even pre Undertaker, really. He you know, Undertaker yes. started popping on around there. So, like I I remember like you know playing the bathtub with my um, Greg the Hammer Valentine, you know, <laughs> WWF toy, and he was fighting Kurt Hennig, Mr. Perfect. So,
2: Greg you know, the I go, Hammer
4: I go back
3: Valentine. That is uh not to be confused with Owen Valentine, who passed away tragically.
4: So. Owen Hart.
3: Owen Hart. Oh, I'm doing Valentine and Hart. Look at me, I'm an idiot. Yes. <laughs> I'm making a weird <laughs> really. connection
4: there. Yeah, it's a good connection. It's the right. Connection. It is
3: Valentine's Day is in a couple of days, so it yeah. is. Yeah. Um, wow, Greg the Hammer Valentine. I always mixed them up with the Hart brothers. I did. I thought he was like their cousin or something. Strange. I
4: mean, why not? Right? Same, <laughs> you know, same family of love. But,
3: they did have a big I mean, they're like a big-ass Canadian family of wrestlers, so anything's mm-hmm. possible. Uh, we always ask this one, uh, sliders or curveballs?
0: Uh,
4: I like a good curve.
3: Best curve, is it Kershaw's or someone else?
4: Uh, Ker- Kershaw, Nola. Hmm,
3: Nola, no one's mentioned him, that's a new one
4: i think that's his see you give me half a beer and i'm like is that even his main uh his main uh <laughs> no, just go
3: with it go with it. somebody said what about slurs i don't i never mentioned Slerves. yeah no yeah happy. yeah nola,
4: nola has a nasty curveball so he's up there we'll see, we'll see what he does this year man he's uh he's pricey
3: beautiful that's fantastic i can really appreciate that uh jack nicholson or meryl streep
4: um well jack Jack's one of my favorites of all time. Just, just, just everything about him is just so smooth and suave. I mean, Meryl Streep is, is you know, Hollywood royalty. Yeah. Uh, but, but Jack is like, the, you know, he's he, he's the king, and he he's still in these amazing roles and just everything. He did, it's just his essence is, is legit.
3: The 1993 LA Kings or the 2014 LA Kings?
4: Anything 90s, man. I'm always going to pick. <laughs> I'm always going to pick the 90s. That was
3: We're seeing a trend here. I,
4: I was, uh, I mean, that was, you know, that was my era, right? I mean, that was the most important thing for me at that time as a, whatever, 14-year-old playing ice hockey in LA, being a Kings fan and wanting them to win the cup and them actually getting there, you know, having Gretzky on the team, Robitaille, all these guys. It was a really big deal. And I would play out. You know, uh the in my front garage, I had like a hockey net, had my rollerblades on, and I would like play out the games before the day of the playoff games. Like, oh, okay, Kings are gonna lose like four to one, you know, four to one today. Oh, here they're gonna win three two. Like, yeah, I was crazy, crazy kid.
3: <laughs> oh yeah, that's great, man. That takes me back. I used to do the same thing and we do with uh that and NBA games. Yeah. Me and my neighbor, we'd go over to his house and we'd reenact the uh, Dallas Maverick games when they was mm-hmm. they had the trifector of Jimmy Jackson jason kidd and uh jamal mashburn
4: <laughs> you know a little uh you know a little tidbit there do you know that uh all three oh, of them dated tony braxton any moment. you know you know
3: i've heard that maybe some of that was bogus in recent years but hey i like the story anyway so let's just go yeah. with it tony braxton i mean breathe again yeah. that was a great song in the yeah, yeah, yeah unbreak my heart oh yeah i forgot about unbreak my heart yeah you're good you definitely have the knowledge. I'm impressed. Uh, <clears throat> so, did you play NHL '94 when you were a kid then?
4: All the time, all the What's time. Your favorite my, myself team? and my my my, my neighbors. Uh, I was I was partial to uh, the Blackhawks. Jeremy Roenick and Steve Warmer. great connection. Uh, Chelios. Belfour,
3: yeah. Mike Gardner was he on there still or was no? He might have been gone. Uh, Gardner
4: was uh, he was he was like a '99 speed, I think, but he was on the Rangers if I'm not mistaken. It's been oh, so long. I'm not. Dude, good well, movie. the Chicago
3: was a. That was one of the most popular teams on that game. They were huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody wanted to be the Blackhawks or uh, the Canadians or the Red Wings. Yeah, those are some of the best. Teams. And the Kings were good because that was their Stanley Cup run year. But yep, yep. Sega Genesis or SNES.
4: Uh, uh, Genesis. I was all about the Genesis back then, for sure.
3: Yes, I knew it. I knew there was something I liked about you. We had a connection, and that's... We were Genesis people. We did not have an Mm -hmm. SNES. All of the great sports games of the 90s prior to the PlayStation, they were all played on a Genesis, and I love it. I
4: I wasn't good, and that's probably why I stopped playing video games in my teens. (laughs) My friends would just wax me, you know, just absolutely destroying (laughs) it.
3: I'm, I'm terrible, but uh, hey, it's not, it's not about, you said it's about the journey. It's not about mm-hmm. the uh, destination, so. Indeed. But if you're terrible while you're playing on the journey, that is kind of a bummer to mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? All right, finally. For love or money? Uh,
4: I mean, that's a very, very deep question. Um, it's the
3: closer. We always close with this one.
4: I mean, it's gotta be love because, you know, I that's at the end, that's what made that don't that that is what makes you happy.
3: Beautiful. Yeah, we, that that's great. That's a beautiful answer. Yeah. That's all. Say no more. Yeah. Okay. that's either, ladies and gentlemen, bringing his A game tonight on the Hey, it's Rico Plazo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Don't forget, plazo podcast at ProTimeMail.com. If you have any questions, thoughts, or queries, Plazo Podcast on Twitter, two L's two Z talk give me two. We appreciate having Vlad on tonight. This has been a lot of fun. Now we're going to talk some more fantasy action because it's time for a segment we're calling 3's company. Now this is in tribute to you Vlad. You told me you were big Vlad uh big 3's company guy from yeah. what I recall, right?
4: Yeah. Uh yeah, I mean that that's I guess I now that I'm thinking about, it, I don't know where I, when I had time for everything like homework, <laughs> all the after school stuff, um, yeah. books and then yet I it, sports. I you know we did I did like my brother and I did karate three days a week, uh, music lessons like acting uh, classes, and yet still I watched every single sitcom of the eighties like like all of them. But Three's Company was my for whatever reason my my favorite. Just loved you know just loved everybody you know and Mr. Roper, uh, you
0: know, yeah Terry. Before it became Mr.
4: Hurley. yeah uh, Larry even
0: oh, I think yeah, everyone Larry.
4: but Janet even Janet had some you know. Had some good. Yeah. uh,
3: Behind the scenes on that didn't go well for Janet. She had a tough, it was a tough career for her, but you know, she was still on a very popular show and she had a good run. So Mm -hmm. it's okay. Janet, if I bet there's no way that whatever her name, I can't think of her actual name, but the lady who played Janet.
0: Oh, Joyce DeWitt. Thank you.
3: Thank you. There's no way that Joyce DeWitt knows that right now there's two guys talking about her on a fantasy baseball podcast. You ever wonder that? Like right now, someone's talking you, about Vlad Sedler on a movie podcast. You, you never know,
4: right? And in Farnsworth reach out to you. Uh, <laughs> he did. <laughs> I had uh, I had Sam Hilliard's mom respond to, to to one of my tweets the other day.
0: Oh, because we're,
4: we're in a you know we're we're in, we're there was only a few of us in the Sam Hilliard fan club, but apparently lots of people are are coming out now that uh, <laughs> at, le- at least until they sign like you know Matt Camp and Puig and all these guys, and then he you know goes back to you know the Neverland and doesn't get to play. Thanks a
3: lot for running the party, Vlad. Now it's the Rockies. We all know how that front office works. It's a nightmare. Anyways, so the Three's Company segment, more than the TV show, this is a segment we're doing, and it's basically about players that I'm finding in drafts that are bunched together. And, surprising, there's three of them. So, yes, we're going to look at these, and Vlad's going to give us an opinion which one he likes, which one he prefers. But... I would be remiss if I did not debut the song that I worked on for this segment. So here it is. This is the Breeze Company song. <laughs> Take it for what it is. <laughs> Drafting in the ninth round. Drafting in the ninth round. Staring Mad and down. Staring Mad and down. I can't decide between Olsen, Goldie, or Bomb. Freeze Company, two. Typing in the round, another
0: top loser down.
3: Another top loser down. I can't Anderson, uh, That's pretty much it. I just did a couple verses.
4: <laughs> that is legit, man. This is this is why this is why this is the one podcast that I went out of my way. I was like, I want to be on this man's podcast. So I like your style. I like your music. Let's roll. <laughs>
3: Thanks, man. You know. Uh it takes two to tango. You inspired the song. So with your thoughts, I started thinking about it, and now we have it. So, so Three's Company, it's always a crowd when you're drafting. We all are stuck at certain points in our draft. Some of us are very decisive. Like, you know, we know what we're doing. We know what we're going to do no matter what. We have a queue set up. Hell, we might not even be there. It could be auto-picked. But there's others of us that struggle, and we don't know what to do when there's a bunch of players around a specific position. What do I do? So let's try this one on for size. Charlie Morton, Chris Paddock, and Lance McCullers. They're kind of bunched together in ADP generally. And by the way, most ADP we use on this show is nfbc.com, NFBC ADP as of February 1st. And we're specifically using draft champions only. So it cuts out some of the other formats. And draft champions, for those that don't know, is a draft and hold type uh, league. So having said all that, which of the three would you prefer if you were in the market for a pitcher?
4: So between Morton... McCullers and Paddock yeah uh, right now McCullers is my guy I'm just looking you know I I just had, did a uh, battle of the experts um, uh, series that we have with with Ray Flowers over at fantasyguru.com and we broke down uh, McCullers I did the, uh, the the four argument for him and uh, um, he's just a guy that's been really uh, consistent as far as Uh, everything down to his like, you know, suspected metrics like his, his, his velocity post, Tommy John didn't, you know, didn't uh, dip down all that much. Like really for him, all it really takes, I think is, is health. Right. I mean, he, he pitches in a fantastic uh, home park, the teams around him that he's going to face more often than not are, are getting worse, at least uh, to me, uh, especially the A's. I mean, like, that's just going to be like, you know, a beautiful matchup to, you know, to pick on all the time this year um and uh i just i just think he's legit like i have got no problem with charlie morton um but and the fact that he's 37 and you know that ballpark um sometimes is not so forgiving i feel like the offenses in the nl easter are, are getting a little better uh so you know a little bit of an adjustment there. Uh, switching al to NL, so i don't know um not as big on morton and then Paddock is a little bit of an unknown. Um, it is interesting there in San Diego that Joe Musgrove actually in NFBC is is actually leapfrogged him in uh in average draft position. He seems to be preferred yes. over paddock. And I mean, who's to say that? I mean, and honestly, if I if I had to put money on it, I, I probably think that paddock out earns him just by a little bit. I think Musgrove is a sire upside, but think to where we were last year, uh looking at paddock and going like a fiftieth overall, and now he's just like just a drafty afterthought, something about that just kind of in the gut, just feels a little wrong. So I like Panic, but I think McCullers would probably be my number one.
3: Uh, That bums me out because just had a conversation on this very show with the Rotosaurus guys, Jake and Dave, and Jake was making the case against McCullers, and I made the same case on the previous episode with Sarah Sanchez where I was playing players I was trying to avoid, and McCullers was one of them. But it's not because he's not good. It's just because I fear the injury risk all the time.
4: Yeah, but but here's the thing. The like he, he he was hiccup free in his in his 2020, right? Like he's passed the Tommy John, like he was he wasn't really an injury risk prior to all of that. He was really, you know, pretty solid and consistent. Like you you kind of know what you're going to get so long as you get the innings. Um I think I think, you know, a lot of these guys are going to, I think the innings you're going to get out of them, out of him, are going to be quality. And I think we're going to get at least 130. Like you can't avoid all pitchers that have had some injury at some point in, you know, in, in their history, in their lives. You got to take a dip in on, on some people. Um, so maybe you go less, you know, maybe you don't, you know, grab the Lamets and, and other guys of the world. But I am personally taking a stand on McCullers, I believe.
3: Okay. Well, I mean, he's five full seasons, never pitched more than 128 innings. And that's because of injuries. That's a huge part of it. And Mm -hmm. I just feel like I'd be safer with Paddock. I feel like Paddock is more durable, even though he's safer. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. McCullers, when he plays, like you said, he's legit. I mean, I love his curveball. He just basically throws curveballs all the time, which is cool because I kind of like that style. Oddly enough, that's what made Charlie Morton, who's part of this, Mm -hmm. triumvirate. That really revived his career. So that's interesting. Okay. I can go either way. I like that. I'm going to look into it more because you say you like him because I respect your opinion and that's why we do this show. It it gets my mind going and it just gets difficult when you hear two people you respect a lot and they both say two different things on the same player and you start to, you have to make the decision in the end. Like, well, all right, I have the data, but I got to make a choice.
4: And that's the thing is if you, if you don't, if you don't, the the beauty is at least in that range is you, you don't have to buy in on it because then you'll regret it later. Right. If, 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 if you need to be like convinced on someone, but you're not feeling it in your gut, like, you know, there's, there's, uh, you know, in that range, there are a million guys like the two that you named. There's Sixto, there's Urias, there's Gosman. There are a million guys. See, oh, that's the beauty of fantasy baseball is it's, it's, it's wide, it's vast, it's deep. You don't have to go in on all the same guys everyone else is.
3: Well, the next one is Jose Urquidy of the Houston Astros, Marcus Stroman or Nathan Eovaldi of the Boston Red Sox. So uh, Eovaldi got pumped up a little bit by my pal, Ryan Bloomfield, who is, by the way, congratulations to Ryan Bloomfield. Shout out to yeah, him, sure. Fantasy Sports Writers Association Award winner this year. That's fantastic. Congratulations, Ryan. Woo
4: hoo! Ryan's a, Ryan's a good friend. The dude is is sharp as hell, and I I, I listen and and respect to, uh, everything he says. So, shout out to him. Um, uh, I guess it, 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 a lot of times it depends what you're looking for. It's tough in a vacuum to just say it kind is of one guy or the other. Um. Like but if you were looking it, for
3: a starting, let's say you're looking for a starter at this point, I need a starting pitcher.
4: I, I usually I venture away from the uh, the AL East guy. Usually, if I, <laughs> if, I if, if I'm in a tiebreaker and I'm looking at an NL versus AL guy, especially with the DH um, no longer there in the NL, you know. So for me, Stroman over Iovaldi. So long as I have good starting, uh, I have good um, strikeouts at that point. Uh, but her kitty, man, he just feels like a, a guy that can really provide good ratios. And then when you see someone like, uh, you know, Saris, who is probably like, like to me, at least like the fantasy baseball sort of, um, savant of pitching, like just one of the few people that I really trust in that space yeah. say that he loves her It just makes you take another look. Um, so, you know, in Houston against some of those teams there, it, it's close for me, but I, I think I'd have to lean her kitty.
3: I love it. Even though Bloomfield loves Ivaldi, because he popped up on his bloom board. Uh, he still has health concerns and he pitches in the AL East. It does make me suspect. makes me a little concerned. But I like your layout more. I like where he's pitching and I know that they can rely on him. If healthy, I like him. I, I think that's a good call. Stroman, I've never been a Stroman guy myself, but maybe he'll make me eat my words this year because he's on a one-year deal. The next batch is outfielders. David Dahl. Jackie Bradley Jr., who, as far as I know, still hasn't signed with anybody yet. There's been Red Sox chatter, so that makes it weird, but he will sign eventually. Or Adam Eaton. So Dahl, Bradley Jr., or Eaton?
4: Um, so with the possibility that Adam Eaton could just lock in and hit second in the White Sox lineup, even though he doesn't really provide much across the board, there's a solid floor with him, especially with uh, with runs. He's going to be hitting uh, in front of Eloy and Abreu and some of those guys. If that is the case, and he hits second, um, that would probably be the pick. Uh, I like to gamble a little bit. I um, was uh, I was talking on a podcast earlier today about Ray Flowers with Ray Flowers about David Dahl. We were breaking down the uh, AL uh, West and about how maybe getting out of Colorado is a good thing. You know, there's you know something about the uh, um, you know being up in the elevation and, you know, the, the, the wear and tear it takes on the body, especially going, you know, back and forth for, for a guy like that, who's so injury prone and they don't has, know what they're doing <laughs> and they don't know what they're doing they to don't. have some stability uh, with a team and have a role, get a fresh start. Like maybe it'll work.
3: I love it. I love hearing that out of you. I love me some David doll this year in Texas, fresh start, new opportunities, Colorado, is a negative place. It just is. And I like Bud Black as a manager, but I am not a fan of how they run their organization. Aaron free, free. DG who left, and he did well. Now, all these are three different players with different types of skill sets and different types of home parks, so they're not all going to be the same batch, but I like it. I love Eaton, though. To me, that would be my choice because of the floor, and I think he's underrated. And if it's a points league, OBP league, it gets an even bigger bump for me. We talked about this on the Road Fanatic podcast the other night with Matt Williams and Carmen Beirato and Paul Momino, which you can check out on this feed, that Adam Eaton is undervalued. I love Adam Eaton, so give me Adam Eaton all day long. I don't even care if he hits second. I'm a huge fan of his, and I just feel like he's he's always underrated perpetually. So I want people to know that I'm on the record as being a big Eaton guy right Eaton, here. Right Eating
4: up all the Eaton shares like Pac-Man. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, I need the Pac-Man that's a good call. I'm gonna write that down too. Yeah, I need a Pac-Man yeah. sounder. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. I feel like a loser now. This show we just canceled the show. Turn it off. Turn it yeah,
4: off. Turn it off. Don't yeah, yeah. don't let don't let this air.
3: This is <laughs> yeah, it's a failure. Okay. Next one is uh Adam Audavino, Emilio Pagan of the Padres, or Jonathan Hernandez of the Texas Rangers. Now this is a little bit deeper. Some possible closers, possible opportunities for saves and holds, depending on your league. Which of these three do you like?
4: So if you are, are in my NFBC league uh, this year, please, uh, please please turn off the podcast at this moment and uh, do not <laughs> listen to this next section. But I am drafting up Adam Adovino, believing that he is going... To, that's the reason why they grabbed him is because Matt Barnes stinks. And Adam, Adam Adovino, you could say that fast 15 times, is Adam Adovino, going to close them. The problem is... Uh, they're just showcasing them anyways for a trade. So maybe, you know, it's still really messy here. Here's my thing. It's also a matter of, uh, of getting to out by default because Pagan is now they, they just signed Melanson. Um, We're talking about Emilio Pagan, San Diego, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. They got Melanson, they got Pomeran. So save ops are going to be, you know, tough to come by. And then Jonathan Hernandez is just the the ideal setup, man. Um, I think they're still going to give Jose Leclerc a shot. Um, to, to, to close out games, and I think uh, Hernandez is a good like multi innings guy, uh, good high leverage situation guy. So if you're talking about saves, I think Oviedo gets the most out of those. Um, and uh, and yeah, I mean you know he, he had like a horrible whatever earner run average last year. Uh, that all came pretty, basically in one game because if you look at the number of innings he had, it was like under 20. It, it was just like one blow up at like you know day game or just something crazy. Yeah. So you know can't put too much stock into the short sample
3: exactly and that's what you get Ottavino is a solid relief pitcher and if he gets traded that's too bad but you just gave away your strategy and now you're screwed vlad i this is like the most popular podcast in all of america so (laughs) everyone's gonna
2: know everyone's gonna know what
4: you're doing it's it's going to be one day my friend this is uh this is good stuff
3: (laughs) thank you vlad you're very kind i appreciate the kind words and i always accept compliments men have a hard time with compliments as yancey eaton likes to say but not me Because we're going to tear down those barriers one day at a time. That's right. Last one. Another Red Sox, Alex Verdugo, or a former Dodger, by the way, Ramon Laureano of the Athletics, or Kyle Lewis, the reigning rookie of the year for the Seattle Mariners. Lewis, Verdugo, or Laureano?
4: I like me some batting average in that range where these guys go 130 to 150 overall. Alex okay. Verdugo, one of my gut calls is that this man, this is from a couple of years ago, and this is before I knew he was going to go to the Boston Red Sox, this man one day is going to win a batting title. Uh, and yeah, so when you had these other two guys who could potentially hit 240, 250, even though they offer more pop and, you know, Lorienter more steals and even, you know, uh, give me the kind of good overall guy who's going to lead off a top of lineup that is actually pretty solid there with Bogarts, JD Martinez, even though he's in the twilight of his career. Verdugo at the top of that lineup could score 100 plus runs, he could hit over 300 very easily. Um, won't get you a lot of homers, won't steal many bases. But to me, that's a no brainer.
3: Beautiful, man. I've been targeting Verdugo a lot, and I'm glad to hear that. That makes me feel good, all warm and fuzzy inside. Thank you so much. There it is. That is the segment called Threes Company in honor of our guest. Vlad Sedler. We'll play the song underneath again. Don't forget that this is part of the Rotofanatic Podcast Network. You can check out rotofanatic.com. And I also want to give a shout-out to the Fantasy Flock Network, which is a YouTube channel that I was on with my friend Mason Dodd. Well, he's not my friend. I didn't know him. Now I know him. He's kind of my friend. And I did five videos talking about various different things. So check it out if you get a chance. Fantasy Flock fantasy baseball network on youtube mason dodd is a good dude he reached out to us and we're trying to grow and learn and meet other people so if you would be so kind check out the videos the fantasy flock network fantasy baseball on youtube thank you very much okay so there's three's company hopefully that was fun and that was a fitting tribute to a top-notch guest vlad sedler vlad do people ever call you vladimir is it always vlad uh yeah i've
4: gotten vladimir it was you know it was tough growing up uh in the 80s in los angeles uh, you know the cold war everybody hated russians kids would make fun of oh, me Oh god you know even, even to this day you go to a starbucks well now i do the mo- mobile app so they have to have my name printed on it <laughs> but i get glad you know brought brag like all kinds of you know everything you can imagine so it's a it's been rough didn't like my i don't think i like my name for a little bit as a kid but now you know i love it i embrace it it's gonna be a you know a guy that's going to rock the baseball, uh, the baseball and fantasy world, especially all those who doubt him with uh, yes. with, with my namesake. So, uh, so yeah, I'm good with it.
3: What about Vladdy? Vladdy?
4: I got people. Yeah, I got, I got people that call me Vladdy. That works more like 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 you know, female friends, you know, Vladdy. But then you got like or Vladdy, you know, uh, or like my Irish friend Vladdy, my laddy. You know, you, 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 you get it all.
3: Man, you are such a fascinating guy. Very clever. You hang out with some elite people, man. I feel like I'm barely holding serve here with Vlad, but we're doing the best we can here on the Hey, it's Enrico Blazzo, Fantasy Baseball Podcast. This one is called Popular Players. Now, I don't know how this one's going to go, but we're trying new things on the show. We take a chance, and, you know, we're not alone, Vlad. We're in this together. So I want it to be about, like, drafting lessons. Uh, players who have risen that you've noticed not just from ADP, but you've seen been taking sooner or later or players that are rising that don't like necessarily. I, I don't know. It's a new segment. And, of course, I did a dumb song here, so it's a very brief song. I'll make it fast. You're so, from the 90s. Hopefully you'll like this. Oh, yeah. You're Randy Rose arena You're popular. You've crushed 10 bombs in one whole season. Everyone says you're a catch
2: popular you made a lot of clutch hits now you're top 60s big all right there we
3: go that's i right. like it i like randy it. <laughs> not a surf man i love not a surf that was an underrated band in the 90s by the way yeah and that was a good 90s song in fact makes me want to do some karaoke you ever do karaoke
4: i love it man i love yes. it I, I that's what i asked my wife for, for for my birthday i want a karaoke machine and she's not having it is in the house will get louder and you know, when can you actually do karaoke we have neighbors that are really loud with their karaoke and it makes me jealous um, <laughs> I, dude, I i you know i i wrote songs and and um wrote raps right wrote, wrote uh wrote rhymes uh in college uh even performed some of them and 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 i just love love to love to sing love to rap
3: i think it's a good a family event you can do karaoke is great for the whole family you can have a lot of fun it's good times yeah.
4: In LA, we have these uh, like they're little like private uh, Korean karaoke rooms. Uh, they're just phenomenal because you can just you know you're not in front of a big crowd of people. You're just with your group of like eight, ten friends, and you give you know the soju and you know the the height beers and you know the, you know some some Korean barbecue, and you're just sitting there just like loud
3: in the, in this little
4: room. It's just it's phenomenal, man. I miss that. I can't wait to get out back into the real world. It's cool. You-
3: you're telling me, man. Uh, big proponent of the rooms and not doing bar karaoke. We've had this place in Ann Arbor called Blue Karaoke. We went there for years. You get a big room. It had couches and lights, and mm-hmm. it was great. It's just you and your friends, nobody else.
4: It's just more, more, more comfortable, you know?
3: It is. Like, it's, like, yeah. more intimate, and, like, you can just... By the time it gets late into the night, you can't even hear who's on the mic anymore because everyone's singing along, and they're all drunk at the same
0: time. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
3: Anywho, this segment's about some popular players. So, have you noticed anybody that you like that's rising up in the drafts? Uh, any Anybody that seems to be rising? that you Well, oh, I like that guy. I mean, it's a
4: it's you know again, you can do a whole segment on this. It's our, you know, whole whole episode on it. It's it's constantly evolving. It's, it's changing every day based on little bits of news because we don't have training camp yet, and you know, players are moving very volatile, after after signing. You know, uh, a lot of the movement actually this is what I'm starting this week a series that I did last year leading up to the draft that once a week, I write an ADP market report column. I'm, I'm starting it. Uh, actually, we get off the air. I'm going to uh, uh, start cranking oh. it out, but it's basically just showing the it's um, uh, actually Bloomfield is, is doing something similar. I've seen some other people do it. Just kind of showing the, the, the movers and shakers over the last couple, last couple weeks in comparison to the two previous weeks before it. Um, but like a lot of movement with closers, especially of draft champions, like, you know, uh, Minnesota signs Colomay, so Taylor Rogers falls considerably. Um, Melanson, you know, like I'm in the middle of a draft, and I'm like, I'm going to get Melanson in five rounds. This is cool. He's going to sign somewhere, and he signs at San Diego, and then pop, someone else takes him. Uh, Jake McGee in San Francisco, uh, another guy I think is is moving up because people see a, a path for him to close. So, you know, those guys. Um, and then I'm noticing guys like, um, you know, sort of the old and boring, like Rendon and uh, Bregman. Just, you know, going around 50 ADP like it's nothing. Like, those guys could really smash at those values, right? I mean, it's just non-sexy picks, but they're, they're they're you know, consistent performers. Uh, I think, you know, they're, they're worth it. And then Jordan Alvarez is, is really climbing. Like, even though he's utility only, like, you can't get him for 80, 90 overall anymore. He's, he's going up to 50, 60 now.
3: Yeah, I think those are some outstanding observations, Vlad. It's funny how... These drafts evolve, especially if you do early drafting, which was not always my thing. Uh, It was an early, early thing for a lot of people who are pros. But for me, I usually drafted around late February, beginning of March. I was just like one of your regular dudes. Mm -hmm. This is my first year taking it up a notch and drafting much earlier. And you can see the evolution of player... Uh, like the player adps and the growth of players who rise up or the players that fall down and you're like oh god i remember why i can get so and so at that price and now i can't get him at that price or now this player is falling to me and i want him i find that i find that to be really interesting
4: yeah absolutely it's it's that's what it is and and we could be drafting much differently now than we would be you know 2 3 weeks from now because so much can change and it's going to change even more so in spring training
3: oh yeah no doubt about it yeah i hear you uh boy uh, we just kind of we just kind of got going. I feel like we've done an hour and a half and I feel like there's so much more I want to ask you. So, I'm going to leave this as an open invitation to come back on the show another time. Oh, you know can, it. We could talk more about your fantasy process. I would love to get you on the record before the season starts with some Shine or Ride the Pine predictions, on some projections, mm-hmm. which are always fun. What do you say to that?
4: I'm in, man. You don't you, you don't have to ask me twice, dude. I love uh, you know, love chatting it up.
3: Thanks, dude. That's great, man. This, this has been fantastic. I'm, I can hardly believe I'm here. Sometimes, you know, you you watch other people and you listen to them and you read what they write and you hear their names and how incredible they are, what they're doing with fantasy baseball analysis or other things of that nature. And then here we are doing it together. It's so cool, man. I I may sound cheesy to some people, and they'd be like, "Well, you're just." you know, you're putting on a front, you know, I'm a genuine guy. I think, you know, yeah. you know, I put myself out there for who I am, no matter what. And this is a great experience for me.
4: That is, at least for me, the number one quality of, you know, what I'm looking for in, you know, in everything and in, in just relationships. These are the type, you know, people that people that are genuine, that are themselves and that are yeah. that are fun. You know, I mean, like if I'm going to be sitting here with somebody for an hour and a half and everyone's time is, is valuable. We're, we're all super busy. we got stuff going on. You want to be uplifted. You want to be, you know, be happy. And I love cheese, man. Like, you know, so I'm all about it, you know? So
2: my kind of
3: guy, that's who you are. Vlad. Uh, before you go, I did one song that I did in your honor and my honor because I love him this year. And speaking of guys, I'm falling more and more in love with, it would be this guy right here. So check this out real quick. This would be a cover of Duran Duran.
4: You ain't got to tell me, buddy.
3: Here we go. He's Edwin Rios, and he has the strongest
1: hands. When a pit strong hits his bat, who can say where it will land? With Justin. (laughs)
3: <laughs>
2: that is
4: that is the goods right there my man
3: it fits perfectly you know it just popped in my head one day i'm like oh edwin rios i love him and rio perfect yeah yeah sometimes these things naturally That's, come together
4: gu- google rios and rotogut and see what the, the first tweet you see from from you don't have to do it now but uh i uh, will like two years ago that was uh it was a duran duran reference so uh, oh okay everybody. cool yeah.
3: hell yes i will definitely do that <laughs> Uh, All right, so we're wrapping up the show. This is the Podcast. Hey, it's the Rico Plazo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Two L's, two Z's on Twitter. Plazo Podcast at ProtonMail.com. Can I ask you one question before we go?
4: Yeah, actually, we can do the guarantees. The guarantees that you promise. You can leave the the people hanging some of those questions. I'm I'm fine to rapid fire those.
3: Oh, you are? Okay, cool. I was just trying to be respectful of your time. Uh, No, I appreciate it. Great, that would be awesome. Okay, so here we go. Yes, it is time for your emails and community chatter. First one is... Uh, what are your expectations for JD Martinez and Jorge Soler after a subpar small sample size in 2020?
4: I just hope uh, JD Martinez stays healthy, but I'm, you know, I'm expecting maybe high 20s homers, 90 something RBIs, maybe the average dipping down, you know, to the two 250s, 260s, but uh, usually pretty solid about where he goes. And Soler is a good value now at this point too, middle of. Kansas City's lineup—you um, know, 30 homers is, is definitely possible. I kind of like what they're what they're doing with that lineup. It's kind of interesting yes. how how that's
3: going to piece together. You're not—you know—that's starting to become a little bit of a buzz too. Matt Williams said mm-hmm. the other day, and I like what we're seeing with the Benintendi trade. Yeah, it's a mm-hmm. fun lineup. I agree. Also, he says, should I keep both those guys in a 12-team dynasty league, 12-team keeper league? So, no, I
4: don't. I don't think. Uh, I mean, I yes. guess you need more information to be able to, to make that decision. It's tough in a, in a vacuum, but I think. Uh, I think you could possibly let Slur go.
3: Okay. Uh, Vlad, who is changing more diapers? You or the wifey? Uh, uh,
4: neither, uh, neither of us.
3: <laughs> okay. We have, uh, uh, so, you know,
4: grandparents and Annie. Like, yeah, we we get help. We're, we're working around the clock, basically.
3: Lucky guy. What's the best strategy on bitter, uh, batters and pitchers ratio for best ball drafts? What is the best strategy for ratios in best ball drafts? Uh,
4: oh, for to, to get ERA and whip,
3: basically, probably. I guess that's there, what I guess that's what he's question? saying. Yeah, no, it's kind of confusing. I'm sorry. Well, if yeah. I
4: think best ball points, so you're not actually getting ratios, you're just getting hammered for earned runs. And I think you get good points for like, you know, for strikeouts and then for innings pitched. Um, you just, you know, you're looking for, uh, you know, I don't usually in general want to you know, avoid the AL East, uh, <laughs> if you can, um, maybe, you know, uh, just, I mean, draft the best <laughs> pitchers you can who just don't get bombed. I guess, in a simple way to put it, because it's late. I don't know. Sure. <laughs> <right>. so,
0: yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah. Send me a message on it, and I'll be able to answer more clearly uh, tomorrow.
3: Okay, that's Carlos. Thank you, carly He says also his starting is starting pitchers the best. This is our boy, is our boy Car- Carlos, or another well, this Car- is our boy Carlos. Yeah. Oh
4: yeah, I, I owe you an answer, man. When uh, uh, when my mind is more clear, I promise.
3: There it is. Look at that. Wonderful. Uh, okay. next one is, uh, what's the biggest aspect of your game you're working on in 2021?
4: Uh, understanding, uh, I don't know if there's one, but it's, uh, incorporating understanding of advanced metrics because I, I, I don't want to be, uh, be left behind. There are a lot of, you know, questions that I need answered all the time, just things I'm, I'm learning and, and trying to get better. So I think that's one thing. And then, and most importantly, honestly, it's just avoiding my own biases. It's like, you know, um, not just drafting guys because I love them and because they've ruined me before and they owe me. You know, like the Karets <laughs> and the Stantons and the uh, Garrett Hampsons of the world. You know, like <gasps> I need to have a good reason for, for drafting them, not just because they owe me.
3: All right, that was from Mark Kiefer at Mark underscore Kiefer. Thank you, hey, Mark. Yeah, at- I know Mark. I know hey. all the audience. It's great.
4: It great. Well, must be friends. wonderful.
3: Well, I bet you know this guy, Dusty Wagner. How are you addressing speed? Why is Dusty asking me a question
4: like that? Dusty's like one of the <laughs> players I <laughs> players i know he's just um an NFBC uh, rival and yet friend um actually he's a houston astros fan and he oh. flew out not, nicest guy ever and it's like dude i, I buy you uh, get you a ticket to the world series uh, you know if i you know come just crash at your place uh, so he flew out and we hung out, and he took me to a Dodgers Astros World Series game. It was freaking amazing, such a good time. And I took him. And he is a very he's a very picky uh, eater. Doesn't eat everything. I took him to Popeyes chicken uh, <laughs> first time, and he he loved it. He dug it. Um, how you handle speed? You, you want to get you want to establish some sort of a base early on. You know, if you anytime I build where I have like say like a Freeman or a Nato uh, or, or guys that don't get speed, I feel like I'm chasing after the mile straws or Roman Quinns, you know, of the world. So a good chunk of a lot of the stolen bases are available in those early guys. You know, the Trey turners to Tisa. So does that all steal a little bit. So you got to be really mindful as much as you can of it early on in the draft. So you're not chasing the Malik Smith type rabbits later.
3: Uh, <laughs> uh, Scott, Jensen says, ask you about your worst drop <laughs>
4: Scott. Um, I'm going to be, be on his podcast next week. Um, uh he knows because you know i talk about it or write about it and it's because he told me uh not to drop him and i did anyways and it was john josh donaldson in his breakout year he told me he was going to be badass i drafted him in the you know 29th round and my 12 teamer that actually almost won the overall that year if i just kept donaldson i probably would have won it um he just went off to have a bananas <laughs> bananas season and he was my 29th round pick so i,
3: I regret that one Intently, <laughs> Intensely. intensely I'm sorry, Vlad. Uh, why do the Dodgers hate my Tony Gonsolin shares? They hate all of our
4: Tony Gonsolin shares, unfortunately. Uh, that would be look- one
3: of those. Yeah, yeah.
4: Uh, luckily for us, that 185 ish ADP is now like 285, so it's a lot better price to buy in. Um, he's damn, he's he's really good, man. I know he you know he didn't look so good in the in the playoffs and kind of down the stretch, but he's uh, he's a legit pitcher. Things will work out somehow. He'll he'll walk into to, to, to opportunity. It's just tougher to draft someone like that um you know now uh with the addition of bauer there and not knowing how the rotation is going to shake out
3: well, i'm still standing firm i drafted him in the dc i'm doing the other day uh, right around where he should be going and i have no problems with that because i just think talent will win out and i think he's talented um edward j gillis says how about three pitchers you can get in a 15 team draft masters format after 450 players mm-hmm. have gone
4: yeah, yeah, that's Eddie. He's probably in my league. Um, yeah. Eddie's actually a uh, if if he's not a Hall of Famer in the NFFC, the football version, he's one of the better players there. He's a he's a badass. Comes out with his really uh, his, with the every year to draft, um, and pretty good baseball player as well. So I don't know. All these guys are asking me these questions. and I know the <laughs> answers to, uh, but I come up with um, um, uh, Josh Fleming. On 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 the the Rays, just a really really strong ground ball guy, and I think the park works well for him. So he's somebody that I that I'm interested in. Um, I I put Rich Hill on on this list when I saw this question, and this was before I realized he was drafted in the Tampa. So now he won't be past 450 ADP. He'll now be like you know
3: 350
4: because (laughs) blisters and all. We'll we'll take him anyway he comes, especially in that park. Um, And then I'm gonna take a stab at Tony disco anthony disclafani revives his career in uh in san francisco
3: oh oh that's bold i'll tell you that rich hill uh still is unsigned is that correct i
4: i I swear i just read an hour ago that uh, he signed with the Rays.
3: wow that blows my mind that's like i'm absorbing that live right now wow that's so that's huge wow he's a michigan man by the way yeah yeah
4: pending physical Cool. Okay. We didn't, we didn't all get a, a text from, uh, from Yassi on that one.
3: <laughs> oh, he's too busy playing with clubhouse tonight. Trust me. Uh, what's, what's the one mistake you see people making so far when they're posting screenshots of their drafts? Um,
4: I saw that. It's a kind of a, it's a, it's a tough question. I don't know about mistakes. Like I'm like, you know, critical of everyone's draft that isn't mine just cause you know, like I, you know, just it's like, Oh, I, I feel like I have the way, but, um, maybe just like posting just for reaction. The thing is it's never a snapshot of what somebody is, wants to do. It's how they're doing in that specific draft because, hmm. you, you know, it, it, things fall in, in different fashions and different ways. It's one thing. If you see a, a notable player screenshotting the same way, every time you kind of know what you're up against when you're drafting against them, like, like Toby, for example, I to look crazy. Um, You know, I've drafted against him at the end of a, 15 teamer. And I had the pick right before him. And for me, it was just a matter of like, okay, which picture i going to take here? Because, you know, I know he's going to grab one and, and the, the the mistake you don't want to make. And this isn't, doesn't directly answer the question is you don't want to let someone else's, what you know someone else is going to do affect what you're going to do. Like, you know what I mean? Like you don't want to, you don't want to like snipe someone like, oh, he likes Bieber. So let me get Bieber. Like, you know, sure. In like some small league, whatever. But in your, you know, you're rolling with this guy for 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 your whole season. Your goal is to get the best players you want in your draft, not to like, you know, block someone else from getting someone, you know, that that fits some sort of carnal, you know, need. You're (laughs) like, oh, I got him, but did you really get him?
3: With that's a good one. With the uh, Ahmed Rosario signing in Cleveland, are you still a fan of Oscar Mercado this season?
4: Yeah, I mean, I mean, does Ahmed play outfield now?
3: <laughs> I I don't know. Well, yeah, I guess utility guy. I don't know why they would think he, that, but maybe well I think
4: I think Mercado will still be the pretty much the the everyday center fielder unless he you know really sucks against lefties. Maybe they'll platoon him with uh, um Jordan Luplo or something like that, uh, because he smashes lefties. Uh but you know Rosario, I think will probably start off starting shortstop. The the um the uh, uh the Rosaris guys probably know this better, but uh, Andres Jimenez probably will start the year in the minors. That's so, what they've said.
3: They've yeah. Dave has been pushing that pretty hard recently.
4: Yeah. So I'm in Rosario probably the, you know, starting shortstop and we'll see where Jimenez fits in. He's obviously, you know, better and more talented than him already, I think. Uh, but I don't think it affects Mercado either way. He'll be the center fielder. Um, maybe he's, he's really good. He can, he can lead off there. Never know.
3: Who's the one late round relief pitcher that catches your eye every time. Late round relief pitcher that catches your eye every time.
4: Oh man. It's there are a lot of them. I, I, I really yeah. sort of mix them up. Um, I mean, it used to be Amir Garrett, but he's no longer a secret now that you know Lucas Sims is hurting a little bit. Um, so he's no longer cheap. I mean, I guess I'm in the minority. Like, I'm, I, anytime I want Adam Ottavino, I can always draft them because you know maybe not after today, but that is somebody that I'm into. And if it doesn't work out, it's it's no big deal because it's you know it's like pick 35, you know, around 40. So yeah. uh, it's him, uh, and I'm getting into, I'm, I'm getting into a into little Jake McGee. I, I kind of think Ooh. even though it's Gabe Kapler and I know that he likes to, to troll fantasy owners, you know, obviously he doesn't do it on purpose.
3: Don't but, you love Reyes Morata though?
4: Yeah. he was just coming back also from, you know, from his injury. Um, and he's solid. I feel like he's, he, of course he could, um, and he could mix it in, but in a draft champions format, I, I, I don't know. I think McGee is a good, just like, you know, lights out ninth inning guy. And he's, he's, he's closed before he looked good. In, you know, last year for the Dodgers. So, um, but yeah, it throws like over 90% fastball, but yeah, he's, he's solid.
3: All right. Well, there it is. We tried to answer all of your questions and I hope we were able to do that. Thanks to Vlad for being a good sport. We had a great, Oh, what about, yeah. Carlos says, what about Mike Mayers from the angels? Uh, there's a lot of, a lot of yeah. about him. Yeah.
4: yeah we yeah. were, I think all of us were, were a lot of sharp folks were loving uh, uh, Mike Mayers prior to the Iglesias signing. Now Iglesias is like a top 75 overall pick. He's considered yes. one of the most solid closers. And he is, like, he, you know, he they got him for a reason, uh, yeah. got the job. But, um, yeah, if it wasn't for Iglesias, mayors would be great. Uh, if something happens to Iglesias, Mayors could be, you know, top five closer. He's a stud.
3: There it is, directly from Vlad's mouth. Well, thanks again to Vlad Souther for joining us. It's been a real pleasure on the Hey, it's Rico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, PalazzoPodcast at ProtonMail.com. If you have any email questions, it's always two L's Utah. and two, Give me two Z's. Thank you so much to Vlad. Vlad, any uh, final Words before we head out that you want people to hear from you as we close up the shop.
1: Not
4: particularly. Just, uh, just you know, this is this is obviously this has been a blast. It's really fun. I think what you have here is is a fantastic thing. And again, it's because you're genuine. You're bringing good guests on. You're getting the most out of them. Uh, And I just look forward to watching you uh, continue to crush it and succeed and jump into these NFBC waters with us and uh, and crush it here as well. And uh, just wishing everyone all the best in their drafting. Uh, over the next month or so, and uh, don't overvalue uh, spring training and spring training at bats and news. Um, just kind of read between the tea leaves um, to, to make your decisions. And sign up for FantasyGuru.com/slash MLB.
3: There it is. I'm waiting for that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, got to do it. This is part of the game. Thank you so much, Vlad. Thank everybody for participating in the live stream. And if you're on the pod version yourself, thank you for listening. We'll catch you guys next time. And Godspeed. Insane fantasy takes While you take that player? you must be
2: insane Insane fantasy takes Right lads, now I know there's not a faint heart among you Uh And I know you're as anxious as I am to get into close action
0: Uh
2: But we must bring him right up beside us before we spring this trap That will test our nerve And discipline will count just as much as courage The Acheron is a tough nut to crack More than twice our guns, more than twice our numbers they will sell their lives dearly they mean to take us as a prize <laughs> and we are worth more to them undamaged their greed will be their downfall England is under threat of invasion and though we be on the far side of the world this ship is our home this ship is England So it's every hand to his rope or gun, quicks the word, and sharps the action. After all, surprise is on our side.
3: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for 4 dollars each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card.